The Biden administration sets up another busy year for chief data officers. The Federal Data Strategy's 2021 action plan directs agencies to focus on cross-cutting work, like accelerating developments in artificial intelligence, using government data to stem wildfires and building up data skills within the federal workforce. But it also cuts agencies some slack if they're behind on goals already established. For more on what the CDO should expect, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has the latest. And Jory, before we get into some of the details of what looks like a aggressively incremental piece of strategy here, nothing all that revolutionary, just review for us the federal data strategy and what it requires in the first place from agencies. Sure. So the federal data strategy, which we first saw in 2019, sets a 10-year vision for the state of data infrastructure across the federal government. And it's a recognition that agencies can really do much more with the data they already have to inform day-to-day decision-making, and they can do much more when they share that data with each other. A lot of these memos of understanding between agencies, they take forever to agree to, and they're very rigid in what agencies are allowed to share. And so on those two points, the federal data strategy sets a lot of goals. And you know, something we hear a lot in the same breath with the data strategy is the Evidence Act, which puts force of law behind the data strategy's goals. And Case in point, we have chief data officers at most agencies these days, and they're really the go-to persons for carrying out this data strategy. All right. And the strategy, again, it looks incremental relative to 2019 and almost states that it's incremental. It says the CDOs that you just mentioned should remain actively involved in strategic planning, and agencies have to work on their governance planning, their data governance planning. So are there any new goals or goals that weren't expressed in 2019 in this latest action plan? Yeah, a bunch of new goals here. I think the one big difference from what we're seeing now from what we saw before is there's a lot of focus on shared solutions here across agency goals compared to last year where it was a lot of agencies doing stuff in-house, working on their workforce, working on their data inventories. This time around, we're seeing things where we're going to need to see some cooperation across agencies to really move the needle here. We're looking at agencies documenting use cases of artificial intelligence across government and significantly increasing AI expertise in government. Also looking at identifying high value areas of geospatial data infrastructure, a really specialized case there. And in one other goal that we're looking at here, it is specifically calling out the Interior Department and the Agriculture Department to work with other federal land management agencies as well as state governments to pool their data together and respond more effectively to wildfires. Yeah, just as the rain dumps all over California and puts a lot of them out. Can't always account for timing. And speaking of timing, Jory, these presidential memoranda and the OMB directives love to fill agencies with lists of deadlines. And what are some of the key deadline goals here, starting with December 31st, which is pretty close? Yeah, yeah. Here we are talking in late October and for a December 31st deadline. The Office of Management and Budget acknowledges that is a really tight timeline for agencies to be working under here. It does say that Realistically, agencies are only going to be able to get started on some of these goals before the end of the calendar year. It even goes out and says that these are you know, aspirational milestones more than anything else. And so in reality here, we're going to see most of the 2021 action plan items get done in calendar year 2022. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, who's been following data and data strategy for us for 
a long time now. And phases, what is the next major set of phases? Because they have spelled out kind of a roadmap through 2022 and 2023 fiscal years in this new strategy. So what are the main phases coming up, Jory? Yeah. So as part of this 10-year vision, there are a couple of phases that we're going to hit along the way. The next big one is in 2023, or hopefully 2023, when we're going to see agencies do more enterprise level work with data, things like data standards, data coordination, and really using data to inform their annual budget planning. That's the goal, at least. And from there, we're going to look at 2026, where OMB expects agencies to do kind of data self-service, which to de-jargonize that means like data dashboards, having data at their fingertips to inform that day-to-day decision-making that we were talking about earlier. And by 2029, 2030, we're going to see agencies reach the final stage of this where they're going to be proactively using data and evidence to inform decision-making and have a kind of an automated data infrastructure where there's not so much manual wrangling of the data to get these results and months later get answers. It's going to be you know right there in their face and, and be able to interface with that data in real time. In many ways, I guess this, if you read it, it's following what is the industrial trends for the use of data and data in decision-making and automating a lot of the data gathering and data analysis. There must be something about artificial intelligence somewhere in this strategy. Oh, yeah, there is. And that was one of the the latest goals for the year of, you know, agencies really trying to get a handle on AI expertise. We've you know heard from a number of blue ribbon commissions saying that when you compare the U.S. to other global superpowers, this whole space race behind AI expertise, the U.S. is potentially falling behind. And so it's a real recognition that if you want to be an AI superpower, you know, you need people behind the scenes making sense sense of the data, having the data in some sort of situation where AI algorithms have enough training data that they are vetted and thoroughly capable of doing the things that we want them to do. And a big part of all of this, whether it's AI or data officers, and then you've got data functionaries, and that is the skills of the federal workforce. And I think when they're talking about data-related skills, not only those people in the CDO channel or the chief information officer channel, but generally democratizing that skill in using data. And so what does the latest strategy talk about with respect to the workforce? And I'm sure it uses the word upskilling. It does. And I've, you know, to your point there, Tom, I've heard many agency CDOs say what you're just saying. It's not just the high-end data scientists. It's improving the overall data literacy of the workforce. And there's a whole spectrum in between. Case in point, the CDO Council is working on a data skills workforce development playbook, real how-to for agencies to set up these kinds of training programs so that every aspect of its workforce does have that level of comfortability and competency with working with data. The CDO Council is getting a hand from the CIO Council on that and the Interagency Council on Statistical Policy, a group we uh, don't hear quite as much about, but they're also leading a hand here and uh, providing mentoring programs. One big thing that we're going to see from all of this is the Office of Personal Management is working on a new data scientist job series that would apply to 
the federal hiring writ large. And this has been something that CDOs, again, have said, you know, they've been waiting on for a while, and this would really help them hire from outside the agencies and really get the kind of talent that they need to get going on some of these goals here. All right. And I guess a good data scientist knows not to take his playbook and close it and accidentally put it over his dashboard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Be sure to check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, 
when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, 
and they they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.